Hi there, welcome to Waypoint Church. My name's Keith and I'm one of the servant leaders here. It's so good to have you with us today. And today we're going to wrap up our series called Unashamed, what it means to be an unashamed follower of King Jesus. And even though the the actual series concludes today, I'll probably say it later, we really want the conversations. That'd be amazing to continue. And so please keep your emails and your questions. And uh, we're pleased to say that uh, for the next four weeks, we have Ian Coffey, uh, who's from Moreland's uh, Bible College, who's going to come and teach us. He's going to be using the book of Philippians and walk us through what it means to be a 21st century uh, unashamed follower. So we're, we're really excited. We're going to continue that theme, as it were. And Ian's going to walk us through week on week what that looks like, how to face the pressure, how we need partnerships, etc. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And so welcome. Um, if you're the first time visiting us today, please, you know, do check back at the previous messages. And it's so good. Please connect with us in the chat or whatever it might be. And uh, it's, it's, it's great today. Again, we've got... Uh, uh, one or two uh, testimonies of people who are really wrestling with with the gospel and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So I'm excited about that. And then we've got a video uh, from Fran about uh, life groups. It's just going to give us a, a quick update on on that and and our approach to those and uh, reading. And then I'll be back in in a few minutes time uh, with today's message uh, from Romans chapter 8 and it's our concluding message but like we say we want this conversation to continue um, just so you know our senior minister Mark Madavan is on sabbatical still and we're really praying for that refreshment of vision and passion and calling and so do please pray for Mark and Kathy and the family at this time uh, that will be really really helpful and so uh, we're, we're going to pray now, just at the beginning. We uh, acknowledge that these are, even though there's hope and there's going to be restrictions, God willing, release that. We're still monitoring it. So please watch this space. We hope to make some kind of announcement soon about what the roadmap for church might look like as well. We want to parallel that and just see what, what's going on. So please, uh, thank you for your patience. Um, we will be communicating that in lots of different ways, not only through these videos and services, but obviously in emails and different ways. So do uh, look out for those. And so we're going to pray and then we'll get on with our time together and ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. So, Lord, we thank you that we can be here Lord, freely, whatever time this is. Thank you for the technology. Thank you for all the teams that put this video together. Thank you for those who've spent time recording reflections and readings and all sorts of things. And Lord, we thank you that you remind us we're part of a bigger family and a bigger vision. And so we pray today, Holy Spirit, you would come and teach us. We thank you that you are the spirit of truth who opens our hearts, that we might see wonderful things in your truth. But Lord, above all, we don't just want to know the book more. We want to fall more in love with the author. Thank you, God, that you inspired those writers. And we do thank you, Lord, for the, the teaching, uh, even down the years of, of, of this church. We thank you for uh, our senior minister, Mark. Lord, we pray that you would encourage him, him and Kathy, bless them, that they might know a refreshing peace and a real sense of, of what you're saying and what you're going to do and really come back invigorated with that fresh kind of vision, Lord. And would you speak to all of us, just really gather us around what it is, what it looks like as we uh, work out, uh, Lord, that kingdom roadmap, as it were, as we move forward together. So just be with us now. Encourage us, we pray, for whether it's a song or for your word or the, the message or whatever it might be, a testimony or anything. Lord, just would you just use whatever you need to use to... Bring us on to that next step to knowing and loving and following King Jesus. So we uh, thank you for this time and, and just want to commend it to you and give it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll see you soon uh, after, after the testimonies and worship, etc. And I uh, look forward to unpacking some of the verses in Romans 8 as we look about what it really means to be totally transformed, but from a position of complete security. And we'll look at that. In a few minutes. Thank you. God bless. 
Hello Waypoint family. As some of you may be aware, the groups formerly known as small groups have been referred to as life groups recently and I have won the job to come and explain why that is. So we feel that actually life groups far more adequately explains what they actually do. They're about doing life together. When life gets really, really tough, actually it's your life group or the people who support and love you. When life is going great, it's your life group who celebrate with you. When there's things that you're wrestling with, it's the life group where you go and you can go and discuss those and look at God's word and work through those questions as a group together and do a life together. It's a group where actually they should be a life-giving and that's why we wanted to call them life groups. So if you are leading a life group and you haven't had an email from me in the last kind of month or six weeks, First of all, really sorry, it's probably because you're not on the mailing list, so please do email me at lifegroups at waypointchurch.org.uk because we would love to connect you in with some of the stuff that we are doing for the life group leaders. We are um, investing in them, enriching, engaging and encouraging them to develop relationship with God and go deeper with God so that they are able to overflow that into the life groups and actually as a community of people that we can methetes together, we can uh, work out our salvation and just disciple one another and we are so excited about how that's going to look over these coming months. If you're not part of a life group yet, we would love to encourage you to make contact with either myself or Keith so we can connect you in with one of those life groups. We would love to have the logistical wrestling of trying to find loads of new life group leaders because we've got so many people who want to be part of life groups. It is all about community and doing life together and building one another up and encouraging one another to become um in discipleship and press on towards the goal so we would love to hear from you so please do get in contact what does exploring uh, wrestling with the gospel or discipleship mean to me what does it mean to be an unexchanged disciple of king jesus the series has both helped me and challenged me in many ways the concept of multiple perspectives or understandings of the gospel was not necessarily new to me. I used to see it as sort of conflicting approaches. Now I see them as more sort of complementary, with each has an element of truth in it, um, but individually they're all incomplete. So I, I like that idea of bringing it all together. The, gospel, the concept of the gospel it isn't just about becoming a Christian or joining a church, it's but a about becoming a subject of a king and part of a kingdom. Uh, and it's brought many of those elements together and, and it's done so much more as well. It's brought a realisation that discipleship isn't just about me. It's about us. It's about that eternal legacy of faith, if you like, what has been passed to us and what we pass on to others. It's not about being a Christian it's about being part of a community a movement an army a family but not just here and now and as important as that is but actually throughout the ages what you know since since Jesus died since Jesus Christ died um, and on into the future it's sort of it's it's like a continuum it's about what we inherit and what we pass on it's about being part of a kingdom and a servant of King Jesus it's not about being right or having all the answers. It's about serving uh, and serving as an act of worship. It's about encouraging each other. It's about growing. The challenge for me is about what this means, how we share, how we mentor, how we encourage. It's about being a disciple, being discipled and about discipling others. I'm still working it out and I'm definitely a long way from being there and I have a long way to go, but there's just some of the struggles, some of the fantastic things I've learned and and, uh, and perhaps some of the struggles and questions that I think will be going on. At work, I'd be called a completer finisher. I'm the sort of person who, when someone comes up with an idea or a vision of somewhere we'd like to be or something we'd like to do, I start to ask all those detailed questions like, yes, but how do we get from here to here? What are the steps to get us along that journey and what about this and what about that how do we overcome those hurdles and have you thought about this 
over the last few weeks as Keith and Jim have been helping us to explore what it means to be an unashamed disciple of Jesus. My complete to finish tendencies have become alive, I guess, and I keep asking that question, yes, but what about this and how do we do that and what are the steps and what does that really practically look like for me and for you um, in 2021 to be unashamed disciples of Jesus? Two weeks ago, when Keith was talking about the method of discipleship, he talked about how it always begins with a personal, um, individual call to follow Jesus. Um, But we're called not to continue to be individual followers, but we're called to be part of the corporate people of God or the family of God, I guess we would call it. So that got my juices flowing. And what does it look like? What does it mean for us corporately together to be unashamed disciples of Jesus And then Keith also said that that call that we have is not just a personal one, but it's an international call. It comes with a call to go and do something. Um, For us in Matthew 28, 19, we're told that our call is to go and make disciples of all nations and to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And so for us, what does it mean for us to not only be unashamed disciples, but to make unashamed disciples here at Waypoint in 2021? What does that look like for us? I don't have all the answers, but I guess I have all the questions of what do we do to do that? What does it mean for us as small groups to disciple one another and help one another along in that journey? What does it mean for us as individuals to help one another in that journey? In Titus, um, Paul encourages Titus to teach the church sound doctrine and to live out their Christian faith. And then he exhorts those Christians to teach the younger Christians what that looks like practically So for us at Waypoint, what does it look like for me to practically help the younger Christians to know what it means to live out every day as an unashamed disciple of Jesus? And who are those older Christians at Waypoint that teach me what it means to be an unashamed disciple of Jesus? When Jesus discipled the disciples in the Gospels, some of that was done in a very formal way through teaching and sermons. But so often it was just done informally through doing life together and using opportunities as they arose as examples of how to live out the Christian faith. Um, And I guess I'd challenge me and I challenge you to say, what does that look like for us? Who are we intentionally investing in so that we can both formally and informally help one another to be unashamed disciples of Jesus? I think that's the challenge that we have at the end of this series going forward is to go and put into practice all that we've been reflecting on and learning through this series. Good morning. Today's Bible passage is taken from Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Hi there, it's really good to see you again. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. And uh, I can't believe this is the final session in our Unashamed series. It's uh, our conclusion today. And, uh, but we want the conversation to continue. We want the questions to keep coming. So on behalf of Jim and myself, I want to say thank you for your wrestling. Remember, we've been saying it's about being those methetes, that Greek word for disciple, where we know the answer is Jesus, but you know we need to really show working out and really wrestle these things to the floor. So we're so appreciative of the fact that you've been emailing and letters and in conversations and in walks and just asking questions and as I've said before every response is is completely valid and so here we are uh, thank you for that reading Ruth really appreciate it and the, the testimonies of the videos I hope that you've enjoyed over the week seeing various people they're just talking about what it really means to be an unashamed follower of Jesus and they're kind of where they're at with the wrestling and all that sort of thing 
So I'm going to pray and uh, just ask for the Holy Spirit. We, we need him, don't we? You know, Jesus promised, and so we should trust what he says, that when we just open his truth, and he's gonna, the spirit of truth is going to come and he's, he's going to teach us. And so I really pray today that as we, we, we wrap up this series and yet continue the conversation, that, that the spirit's going to come and just have something for us. So would you just pray with me? And yeah, let's just commend our time. We thank you, King Jesus. That, uh, again, I often say we don't have to guess uh, what it is uh, you want or how you'd have us live. We have your word of truth. We're amazed. Lord, we thank you so much for this time. And we pray right now. Lord, we uh, realise many people are battling with all sorts of challenges still. And whilst there may be light at the end of a tunnel, so to speak, with any lockdown issues, we, we realise, Lord, that we still are in our day-to-day have challenges. We're very much uh, on the earth. But, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd equip us, that, Lord, your word would change us, that, Holy Spirit, you'd, you'd, you'd just form in us the likeness of Jesus. We thank you so much that we can do this freely. We just pray for those who are battling, those who are struggling, whether it's physically or spiritually or mentally, that somehow today we would really know what it means to be an unashamed follower that is totally transformed by you, that is totally secure in you. So just be with us now. Have your way amongst us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so we've been looking, as you know, if you've been following our series, if you haven't your first time, please do look back. It started on the 10th of January with an introduction. But we're looking at this series called Unashamed. And it's just been a few snapshot texts from Paul's letter to the church at Rome, this young church that was in the heart of HQ of Rome and things were holding up as far as uh, really going against Christ followers and, and within half a dozen years or so then it would get really tense and we've seen over this series we've been challenged to be unashamed followers of Christ and we started by saying it starts with knowing that we are slaves, having that slave, that do-loss heart, if you want, which considers others better than ourselves, but sees Jesus as our, as our master. He's a great master. And so we, we, we saw that in, in the kind of first full week after the introduction. And then we said how important it is that we know the gospel we communicate, because the gospel we actually communicate and respond to will determine the kind of disciples we make. What are people saying yes to? What is that? And then we said it's important that we know the story we're part of and that our lives are to be characterised by right living, that that Christ is being formed in us. And then uh, last time, a couple of weeks ago when I spoke, we, we looked at that. Actually, discipleship isn't a New Testament thing or a modern fad. It's God's tried and tested method. And we, we looked at and we looked at this model of how God calls people. And we used Abraham and we used Moses and the people of God in Exodus and, and Jesus and the disciples, that new covenant. And we used it and we said that, you know, our call as Christ followers isn't simply to salvation, but it's a personal and international bridge. And it comes to us through covenant language, which is accompanied by sacrifice. And then there's this, uh, we are sealed and marked. And in our case, it's with the Holy Spirit who kind of forms in us. He confirms uh, the Lord's promises to us as he lives within us. And he also confirms our belonging, but also our responsibilities. And so he, he prompts us here and there. And what we saw last week, which is often the great thing we avoid. I remember saying in the introduction, we don't see many cost phrases or verses from scripture on fridge magnets. Whoever follows me will be persecuted. And last week, Jim looked at this, that discipleship will involve suffering and cost. Well, I mean, what a challenge it's been, hasn't it? And it really is summarised today with our title, Discipleship Leads to Total Transformation. Transformation in absolutely everything. But you know, it must, it must beg the question, how is it even possible to have that doulos heart? To be unashamed, to confidently serve. And as we heard that reading earlier on from Ruth, thank you again. 
is it told us really the answer, but so often we know the answer, don't we? But it's it takes time for it to seep into our understanding, our real knowing, if you want. Because it said in, in, in chapter 8, the first part of verse 14, is that we're, we're, we're to be led by the Spirit. So if we want to be those unashamed followers, we're to be those who are led by the Spirit. Now, that's easy, right? We just need to be led by the Spirit. That's all we've got to do. But where does that start? And what I want to look at today, we've been looking at some, some of the things that we're called to be and do, like be a, a doulos, a, a slave heart, servant heart, etc., and a righteous living. But I want to look at kind of what, where this sits in our inner being, because this is so key for us as we wrap our series up. Where does it start? How can I even begin? From what platform can I begin to serve unashamedly? If I've said, yes, King Jesus, I want to follow you. And so really, what I want to look at today is that actually, if if we are to be those unashamed followers, it, it, it starts from a position of total security. And what I want to do is probably go against convention, if you want, is I want to kind of give the answer up front and then unpack it as far as what that looks like. And I really pray that as I do that, that the Spirit will come and comfort us. Because, you know, there can be kind of two reactions to a series like this. Probably lots more, but two kind of binary reactions. Maybe those who are already excited about following and they're in a good place and etc. might be kind of even more enthusiastic. That might be one response. But another response is if we're not, so good or we feel kind of we're letting God down then sometimes we can feel worse when we're challenged well this is what we need to be like and so what I want to do today is look at the seat where this all sits that what does it mean to come from a position of total security that I can serve King Jesus with all my heart feeling completely secure as I methetes as I journey out in this and so the answer is simply this, and I'm going to unpack it, because this is huge today, and I don't know what this will do, but I really pray the Spirit will really take this. And I honestly think this is it. Knowing we are his adopted children, whom are totally loved and totally belong, is an amazing platform from which to be an unashamed follower of King Jesus, knowing we are his adopted children and that we are loved completely and that we belong. As the Spirit comes and says, you are mine, you are adopted, you are loved, you belong, we are released to serve and follow unashamedly. Just ponder on that for a minute. And... Often when we're looking at training with some of the ministers that we do with our Bonhoeffer training course, we, we, con- we consider what we call the human paradigm and the Jesus paradigm. And this is really key in, in, in how we think and how we approach following Jesus. Because quite often I find a lot of people are in what we would call the human paradigm, where Jesus seems a way off. And what we're constantly trying to do is do things to step closer to him. So how am I doing trying to follow Jesus might be the question. So if I do that course, or you need to read this book, or you need to how am I doing uh, trying to get close to Jesus and it's like it's always kind of the next step and the focus there is really on me it's it's when I get time I might sort of look at serving others and serving the kingdom but it's really about how am I doing it's that me myself and I it's that that's kind of the human paradigm and and I can I just say in 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 the gentlest way possible that's because it was a kind of disconnect between what I said at the beginning that actually when we know we are completely adopted we are completely loved and completely belong that's what I would call the Jesus paradigm where we can't get any closer and I don't want to make it too complex but can I tell you that you know if you know I understand we can feel certain things I don't feel close to God at the moment but theologically can I say it is impossible 
to get any closer. Because remember when Jesus said, he says, you know, when we, we will come and make our home in you. Now, I don't know how close you want to be. But I also understand that theology and knowing things doesn't necessarily mean it travels to our heart. But that's the Spirit's job. And what we only and ever pray in this series is as we communicate God's word. Is that the spirit of truth then mediates and comes and he kind of does a catch up. It's kind of the difference between our intellectual intelligence, if you want it, knowledge, and our, what I call our emotional intelligence. And that's that emotional intelligence that so often lags behind what we know. So I might know, yeah, Jesus is always with me. I know he's, he said, I'll never leave you. But I still get really worried about new situations or I'm not certain because I can't see the future if, he, if he's going to show up or... Can you see that? And so there's a difference here. And what the human paradigm does, it's always constantly thinking about how can I get to that really intimate place with Jesus? He seems to be distant. How can I do something else? But the Jesus paradigm, you see, opposed to the human paradigm, see, changes the question. Because the human paradigm sort of says, how am I doing? Whereas the Jesus paradigm says, how am I doing loving others? Because I feel already, I know I'm in Christ, totally secure as his adopted child who loved, who is loved and who belongs. And so the question becomes then about, how am I doing loving others and showing people what being an adopted child of the King looks like? Being as an ambassador of Jesus, how am I doing performing that? How am I doing being his representative in the postcode he's placed me? You see, that mindset... That is totally released from having to do to get closer. Releases to be unashamed followers. And I want to unpack that today. I want to walk through that because it's a very easy thing to say that, you know, all we need to do is, is to know that we are completely adopted into his family and we are completely loved and we completely belong. Brilliant. And so it's really key that we know that. So the first thing is we need to know that we are adopted. That the Father, the loving Father, the loving Godhead has adopted us into his family. We saw that in verse 14, didn't we? For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And then in 15, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of adoption i think in our western context and we've kind of lightened that there are kind of issues around as though it's some kind of nice favor it may be second best can i say in the world of the new testament that adoption an adopted child had full rights complete rights there was a a choice involved this is complete and total right. And as a family, uh, me and, and our family have been on this huge journey. And can I say over the last five or six years, the whole understanding of adoption for me has been enriched. Not only through studying the scripture and how it uses adoption. I would encourage you to do that. But actually... In our family experience as well, it's been absolutely incredible. And that's been through a couple of events. I won't go through the whole story now. But about six years ago, we found, uh, Leslie, my wife, we found her long lost sister. (laughs) Wow. 2015. Now, this was unbelievable. Um, When I met Leslie, she was 16 and I was 18 many years ago. And... um, She'd only just found out about three months before she met me, and she was 16 years old, uh, she'd found out she'd had, had an older sister who had been adopted at birth within a few weeks. And she was dealing with that, having always wanted a sister growing up, and then at 16 to kind of by accident slipped out in the conversation. We, we can talk about that. We share it often with people who visit us. Or we, it's a beautiful story of how that happened. And, and so as Leslie and I, we, we grew together within a couple of years. We got married. She was 18, I was 20. Sweet. And every so often it, it would 
rear its head, you know, it would come up, it would be, uh, uh, well, and Leslie had found out a bit of information, she, she found out her name and found out her birthday, and would, would, on those days it was like, I wonder what she'd be doing now, and and, and, and it was kind of the internet came, so and, and all that was like searching and nothing for years and years and years and years. And then, it's literally about six years ago, six years in May this year, I, we, I, I, I found on the internet and we, wow, that was a, that's a story. That is a great story. And wow, that was incredible. What, 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 what a time that was. But also, on top of that, literally, not long after, just not long after at all, um, our oldest daughter and, and husband, my son-in-law, wonderful, Becky Morris, they started the adoption process themselves. So they now, uh, I'm the proud granddad of two ad- wonderful grandchildren who have been adopted. And so it was crazy. It was almost like God was writing across the sky to me, seriously, not only in, in scripture, but in, our, in my life. Keith, you need to look at this whole thing of adoption you need to see how beautiful and deep and real this is you need to understand this i knew it was in scripture i'd read it in galatians and i read it in romans here etc etc and i started to really investigate and, and say what does this mean and look at it in the context of the first century and it was so deeper and so much more belonging i saw the richness of what it meant to be an adopted child of god and it was beautiful. And God really brought this home to me. So uh, whether or not I was in the human paradigm completely or striving, he just really brought it home about being his child, as imperfect and as fumbling as I am. And I remember, you know, I, it was, it's just crazy. Another story I'm involved again, as I've told you with this, Bonhoeffer Organization and the HQ is in uh, Los Angeles. It's a great place. And uh, before all the lockdown and things um well, last two or three years, I'd go there for a few days and across the summer for a meeting in HQ. Um, as I represent UK and Europe, they, 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 we, we get together for, for a few days. Uh, and it's, it's a great trip and there's some spare time. And I remember being on Hermosa Beach Pier. And there's some really lovely um, places to hang out there and, and, and cafes and bars and lovely, really nice places. And I was in one place. And um, as you do, and uh, this guy was there, he was thinking he stood at the bar, whatever it might have been, and um, we just struck up. He was like, hey, how are you doing? I'm, oh, yeah, I'm fine. He was from New Zealand, this guy. And uh, it's really relevant, this. And um, I've been right in the middle of all these stories of adoption and studying. And um, I said, what are you doing? And he says, oh, I come out here. I'm from New Zealand. I come out here, he said to me, for a week every month. Wow. He said, I do all the security for the Hollywood stars and the cameras and... Wow! So he was telling me all about that and his family. It's brilliant. And so, quite naturally, he said to me, "So, so, what do you do?" And at the time, I was I was pastor of Bethel. I said, oh, "I'm a church pastor, and I'm here uh, uh, with a discipleship organisation." And at that time, I was I was going to speak at a conference in the USA, a discipleship conference, to a group of pastors. So I shared that with him, and I felt the, the Lord really randomly. This is really hot. I felt Him say. Tell him some of your adopt- tell him the adoption stories about your family. Because he started asking about the family. And I just thought, hmm, that's a bit strange. I haven't just met this guy. Anyway, I told I basically told him a bit more full of stories about what, what I've just mentioned to you about um, Leslie's long lost sister and etc. And, 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 my, and my, our own family going through and for adoption with a, a beautiful little boy at the time and now I've gone a little girl as well, it's great. And I noticed he was really listening. And at, at the end of it, he said, that, that's amazing, he said. He said, me and my twin brother were adopted at birth. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. I said, but can I just say, Matt, name? I said, I've been looking at this whole thing of adoption in the Bible. And what I discovered... And he was just hanging. I said, what I discovered is that adoption isn't second best. It's God's preferred method of relationship. He just broke down on the spot. Maybe he thought all his life that maybe someone had done him a favour. And I said, you know, God so loves us. And adoption is God's preferred 
method of relationship. It's the language God uses in scripture to describe our relationship to him and his to us. For those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. This is beautiful. I mean I... I'd seen it in scripture before, that adoption word, and I kind of like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But how often, as I've said, do we see something and not see it? And just say, yes, that's nice, I like that. This is not nice. As God's adopted children, it's incredible. The king of the universe has adopted me, and the Lord's given me pictures around me of Long lost sisters and beautiful grandchildren to say, Keith, this is your status before me. We need to get this because when I come and I realise the security that actually I'm not trying to do something to get closer to the human paradigm. Maybe if I do this, he'll, he'll, he'll maybe I'll feel his presence. I'm in the father as his fully adopted child. I'm in that place. You know, we sing that song, don't we? And hopefully we'll have the video at the end of the message which says, Who am I that the highest king should welcome me? I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Do you know, but can I say, knowing we are adopted is one thing. But I think as it did with Matt in LA, and I see with so many people, what adoption can lead to and experts in this and social workers and people who deal with these situations it can lead adoption on its own can lead to what people call attachment issues uh, Leslie my wife's uh, been involved with uh, looked after children as sometimes uh, we refer to that subject uh, for a number of years now and she's involved here in Hampshire now with, with the fostering and What's really interesting is studies into attachment theory show that this cannot be ignored. However old a child looks when they come into an adoption situation in the family, maybe they're eight years old or 10 years old or 12 years old. You know, I meet people who, who are 25, who are 40, who've been, I met this guy, Matt, probably in his 30s. And these are essential things, these attachment issues. Because what these are are relational and psychological building blocks that often in children who've maybe had a, a difficult start, who have not been naturally attached to people they should be, they feel they should be, whether it's their biological parents or whatever, often they, they, they can develop attachment issues and struggle to develop relationships and studies show this. And so what the, the parents who adopt a child have to do is work on some of these attachment. They have to be kind of educated into what matters and what are these building blocks that need to be put in place. Because so often, no matter how old someone looks, it might be that they, they, they've missed the toddler building blocks. Can you, can you kind of stay with me on this? They've missed out that development and I think this is true in church as well. I meet a lot of people who kind of said the prayer and maybe sometime, many, many years ago, they, they kind of know they're in. Yeah, I'm a child of God and I can sing that song. But there's been some kind of connection blocks that are missing. And people say it might come out in language we're more familiar with, like, well, no one ever discipled me. And I think what they're crying out for is no one really showed me how to be relational with people around me in church where it can get difficult and awkward. No one really showed me what it really likes, what it really means to be an adopted child of the king. And so the next course, the next book, maybe then I'll feel accepted. So as well as being adopted, what I really take from today and I want to wrap this series up is we're going to go right back to the beginning. And then I really understood this week why Paul would say this at the beginning, because as well as being adopted, it's also to know that we are loved, as I said at the beginning, and that we belong. If we know we are, we are adopted, secure in that, but we, we are loved completely and we belong, that is a platform from which we can unashamedly follow King Jesus. And can I just say, in the many, many years as a pastor, as a fellow believer, as I've had so many people who 
have been doing this a long time, we've been in churches and yet who struggle as professing believers to know that they are loved, that God loves them, to know that they belong. They might, what were the symptoms? It might be like, well, they're striving to be accepted. There's attachment issues. Or I don't really feel I fit in. I don't know where my place is in the family. Where does, how is God going to use me? You know, I've let him down too many times on that issue, that problem that I regularly have. Maybe somehow I've got the kind of downgrade relationship. The one that tolerates me. You, can I say, are not tolerated. You are totally loved and belong to Christ Jesus. This is why Paul, right at the beginning... He says to the church at Rome, to those who are loved by God and who belong to Christ Jesus in chapter one. Those who are loved by God to the church at Rome, those loved by God. You know, at the beginning, he just, he wants, he's a servant, but he wants the church to know above all before they're going to do anything. Before the, all the theology comes out and we celebrate that in the, in the letter to the church at Rome. He says, you know, you are loved by God to those who belong to Christ Jesus. Isn't it beautiful? And I have met so many people who ask, how can God still love me? If they don't ask it, they just act it out in who they are and the burdens they bring into everything. They maybe the feel of letting down so much. God seems distant, church seems distant. I know this is supposed to be my family, but... You see, no wonder Paul addresses the church at Rome with these two things right at the outset, as I've said, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. To those called to belong to Christ Jesus, to those loved by God. And here in chapter 8, as loved children who belong, you have been adopted. Adopted with full rights. Believer at Rome. Believer at Waypoint Church. Do you know, there's something so powerful in this. And I was really praying, how do we conclude a series that's been so kind of, wow, wow, okay, great. And I really felt the Spirit saying, let's ground this in who we are. I want to be so secure in Jesus. Not arrogant, but confident. He loves me to bits. And that I belong and that I'm his. I'm adopted. And a bias alert now. Do you know when I see my daughter and son-in-law with our grandchildren, two beautiful grandchildren whom they've adopted, it constantly speaks to my heart when I see them. It speaks to me of God's heart for me. It's literally a match in heaven. You, know, you might know something or nothing about the process of adoption, but what happens is you get kind of assessed, and then there's what's called a matching panel where literally they will match a couple with a child. What a process, what a responsibility. And it's called a matching panel. Can I just say, taking that, if you're a child of God today, you're wonderfully matched with the God who first loved you and said yes. See, an adopted child is a chosen child. And people say to me, but how can I know God loves me? I was speaking at a, a church weekend uh, about a couple of years ago on discipleship, like it. And in between times, people were you know, coming forward or wanting to chat or wanting prayer. And this thing about being loved, I was talking about. And they kept coming. I mean, talking people who've been believers many years. These weren't new believers or not yet believers or people. This was really regular. Lots of people. How can I know God loves me? How can I know I can read a Bible verse for God to love the world. But how can I really know? What does that look like? What does that love look like? Can I be sure? 
Well, can I just say, and I remember saying this to a few people there, if we could just take our mind off ourselves for a few moments, just, if we can, just take our mind off ourselves, whether God loves me or not, or how much he loves me, or just, just part of that question. And I'll answer this question, how much does God the Father love the Son, and how, and vice versa? Could we just think on that one? How much does God the Father love the Son? I think we're going to rush to answer that and say, well, some questioning. Why are we even bother asking that question? And it's absolutely true. We look in Scripture, don't we? I love it. And you remember Matthew 3, verse 16? Now, right at the beginning of the New Testament, now with the gap between the Old Testament and New Testament, roughly 400 years, where, as far as Scripture goes, God had been pretty silent. It's a long time. And right at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, we see Jesus being baptised at the outset of his ministry. And it's a wonderful scene. It says in 3.16, as soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son whom I love. With him I am pleased, well pleased. You know, God, having been silent between the Testaments, just couldn't contain himself no longer. And he literally cracked open the sky, Matthew tells us. And as the Spirit was descending, and the Son was in the water, and the Father's voice came, it's like this Trinitarian show, this fly past, if you want, it's glorious. And it was amazing, and God couldn't contain himself, the Father, and he said, this is my Son, whom I love. I think we can say that the Father's love for the Son and vice versa is unquestioning. Yeah, but we know that, Keith. That wasn't my question. My question was, how much does God love me? How can I be sure? How much does Christ love me? Well, do you know, remember another verse? Look it up, John 15, that section. When Jesus is trying to communicate to the disciples what it means to be really intimate in that Jesus paradigm if you want with him to be so secure known knowing that we're loved he talks about the vine and the branches doesn't he talks about being need to be really constantly remaining in me I'm the vine you are the branches well I don't Jesus doesn't want us he says to be a branch on the floor not bearing fruit he wants us to be in but we know what was really telling he says yeah, I'm the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and, and, and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing and he talks about the intimacy and then in verse 9 after that section. So how much do you love us, Jesus? We know, the, we know the Father loves you. That's unquestioning. And Jesus in verse 9 of John 15, listen to this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. I am overwhelmed by the love of God for me. I might question on face value what I do and whether or not he should love me. But I can't question that beautiful love in the Godhead. And Jesus says, Keith, you know, you want, a, you want an example, you want the standard, you want what it is, the depth of my love for you. Well, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Just work on this, think about this, read it. Beamathetes, work it out. How much does the Father love the Son? Unquestionably, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Christ's love for you and me is unquestioning. And can I just ask us to complete this great triangle? Father to Christ, Christ to us. What about how we love one another? Wow, there's the challenge. Because we, I could stay in that love and be happy with myself. But actually, Jesus, that sense of belonging to the family of God is not easy. Especially if our unfinished sides meet, you know, we're being continuously made in his life. Remember in John 13, Jesus said to his disciples, So 
A new command I give you, I want you to love one another. Now that wasn't a new part of the command. They had already knew in their Bible, the Old Testament, that they were commanded to love one another. So that wasn't new. It says a new commandment, John 13, 34, I give you is to love one another as I have loved you. You get that? John 13, 34. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Well, how has Jesus loved us? Well, he told us in John 15, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So I'm to love my brothers and sisters just as Jesus loves me. And well, how much much does Jesus love me? But he loves me as, as, as the Father has loved him. He loves me. So you can see this whole beautiful, wonderful love of the Father, love of the Godhead, wants to permeate in the community of God's people as well. I, I just find this incredible and it, I just find this so securing in my spirit and the result through this divine spirit led triangle of love between the father and the son the son and his followers his followers with one another he says doesn't he by this all people will know in John 13 that you are my disciples if you love one another so you see discipleship making disciples being disciples it it comes out of a secure place of being that triangle of love of being completely understanding that that love between the father and the son is exactly the love that jesus says i love you with and says now this is what's going to bind you together and you are going to be disciple makers i think this is like dark room stuff for me to lay down sometimes see i'm an unashamed follower of jesus can i tell you not a perfect one I'm an unashamed follower of Jesus because I'm adopted completely, fully, full rights, amazing, close as I could ever be and ever get. And that's nothing I've done. He just loves me, he matched me and says, him, yeah. I'm an unashamed follower of Jesus because I'm adopted, I'm loved and I belong. And from that position of security, we can follow and serve our loving God as his unashamed ambassadors. It's all things we've heard week by week up to now about, yeah, be, have that servant heart, know the story we're part of and the gospel we communicate. Absolutely beautiful stuff, by the way. Really challenging. It will come from this seat of knowing. We're adopted and we're loved and we belong. You know, can I just say, maybe you became a child of God. I'm going to bring this down. You've been great. Maybe you became a child of God many years ago or you're not already and you think, well, I'm just not good enough. Well, maybe you knew you're forgiven, you know that. And you started to serve and you've been doing that years. But maybe you, I don't know, this is where the Spirit's got to do his job. This isn't about clever speaking. or Maybe you've been set back by attachment issues, feelings of guilt, past and present struggles lack of a sense of belonging and I believe the spirit wants to come today and as he as he has over these few weeks of this series and I pray even though we conclude our series today that the conversation continues I believe as he has over these few weeks he wants to encourage us to be unashamed followers of King Jesus but this time knowing we are adopted we are loved and we belong As the Father has loved me, (laughs) so have I loved you. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves striving so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. You know, it can be so difficult, kind of. I had a story I was telling someone this week about a couple who wanted to adopt and they were going to adopt a couple of children in Russia. And uh, they were ex- excited. It took a long time, these things do. And they visited, uh, they went to visit the orphanage where the children were. And kind of identified, or I suppose matched maybe. And so this is potentially a, a, your child or children. And the notice that actually, the first thing I noticed there was that the orphanage, when they went in the room, it was full. It was totally silent. Babies. You see, children only do what works and they stop. 
crying a long time ago. It just didn't feel it was working. And so then they would go on short trips and try and bond with their, their, their child. But, and they, they noticed the first few times that they would put the child back in the cot and they would leave and nothing. And they, they kind of understandably were thinking, well, how are we going to be able to connect? This is like, we're worried about this. Just nothing. And they would leave the room and fly home and and this was getting close to the time where they were going, yeah, we're going to do it, but within a couple of weeks of let's do this and start a new life with a new child. And this is huge. And on this trip, they write that they, did the usual came and took the child out. This time, as they put their hand on the door, that dormitory or whatever, to leave, they heard the faintest of whimpers just that little cry that I recognise you and in that reading it's beautiful I think sometimes we can be children and we can feel lost and we can feel maybe disconnected and we just Things don't work. We've been kind of praying for a long time or whatever. And so we've maybe even stopped doing that because we think it didn't work, if that's the right language. But, you know, Paul says here, those who are led by the Spirit, verse 14 of chapter 8, listen to this. Our children of God, the Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves, so you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, listen, and by him... We cry, Abba, Father. We can cry out to God by him. And can I just say, he hears you. It might be the most faintest of cry. And he may seem distant. But he hears you. And... We might know this, and I'm praying that our emotional intelligence just says, Lord, thank you so much for adopting me. The story then goes on. It's great that the relationship built, but when they eventually took those two children, they took them away from this awful place. And they had so many plans and dreams, and they were driving away down this huge, long uh, exit road with the, with the orphanage behind them in their rearview mirror. And the, the children were on the back seat of the car, and although it had been a... a terrible place and the future was all going to be all new stuff that they wanted the children to experience and discover and build the children all they could do at that time was look back and just put their hands out to the orphanage you know sometimes we can have we get this news and our heavenly father wants to say, look, I've got such a life for you. A lot of prosperity and health and wealth and all that junk. Oh, listen to that. I've got a lot of kingdom life. As an unashamed follower of mine, I've got so much, but sometimes, you know, we're so obsessed by looking behind, going, do you know what? Maybe that just feels a bit safer back there, as horrible as it was. Now, I know this is uh, quite deep stuff. But I honestly, 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 honestly <laughs> believe that as we just move into that Holy Spirit, come and teach me that I'm your adopted child, that I'm loved and that I belong. What a secure place. I mean, it's just, wow, I'm going to put my arms forward. I say, what is it you've got for me today? Could you just think about that? I just love that. Maybe it's all we can do to let out that faintest cry. He longs to hear you. And he wants to point us to a grander future, a secure and loving future as an unashamed follower. And so Paul goes on to say, you know, the spirit himself, he sits in there. He's not distant. You don't have to strive. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit. That's how close he is, spirit with spirit. Verse 16, chapter 8, look it. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are 
We are, in fact, God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. This is the good stuff. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ in the heavens. Indeed, if we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. This is all worth it. I've got some thoughts and questions just as we finish before I pray. Thank you for your patience. Just think about that kind of triangle of love. Father to Jesus, back Jesus to us, to one another. Maybe back to the Father, of course. I wonder how I could articulate that to someone else. If someone said to me, how can I know what God's love's like? How do I know? How much does Jesus love me? Could you articulate that? Maybe rewatch that bit. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, love one another as I have loved you, which is as the Father has loved me. I wonder what difference, another question, might really knowing heart stuff now. We are adopted, loved and belong. Make to how we see things and how we serve King Jesus. No longer for approval or to get closer in that human paradigm. But completely accepted. Maybe another final question. How am I loving those? This is the question that it turns into rather than how am I doing? How am I loving those God has placed me amongst? (sighs) Praise God. I just want to give us a time of reflection now. Would you just pray with me? Lord, thank you. Let's thank you for this time of reflection. In fact, it's just like a picture. I really want to just, I want you to imagine right now, just maybe close your eyes in this, it would really be helpful. Just do that, don't worry about others in the room, if they are. Just close your eyes. I want you to imagine that you're in this really noisy room. It's called life, okay? There's all sorts of voices demanding your attention. And you look and you notice in, in the corner there's a, there's a door. It's got, it's got something on there and you can't quite read it, but it's slight, slightly ajar. So you walk over to this door and it's wet with me. And on this door it says loving kindness, the Hesed love of God. It's a room of God's loving kindness. And so it's it's a jar, so it's it's not a burden, and it's, you, you can just lightly push and, and you you look in and, and immediately you get this sense as you enter this room, it's just beautiful. But the sense of calm, the noise is gone. That's instantly. And then there's this chair, like an armchair maybe. And on it, it's weird because it looks beautiful, but it's actually got your name on this chair. And something else is written under it. You can't quite see it. It's just in the middle of the room. So you walk over to this chair. Come on. And it's your name for sure. And it says, the smaller writing is, but just as large really, a child of God. And you can't resist and you sink into this. Two people come over. And they embrace you. One's called loved. And the other's called belonging. And soon others are over you. Grace comes and peace and we just feel totally secure I thank you Lord that we can be unashamed disciples not because we're smart or do things as much as those things are good many have high value pray Lord that we will come to you as our Heavenly Father 
And from this position of complete security, knowing I'm an adopted child of the King with full rights, who's loved, who belongs, that I might then be your unashamed follower, your doulos, that I might know the gospel I communicate. Lord, that I might know the story I'm part of. Lord, that I might want to live your way to represent you well amongst those you've placed me. Lord, that I know that I'm part of this ongoing narrative. Lord, that I'm willing to count the cost because the glory is greater. So, Lord, might you just speak into our hearts right now. For those perhaps who don't know you yet, I pray that you might come. The Lord has made it possible for you. He wants to call you personally to his international kingdom project. Whatever that looks like, we don't know. He'll tell you. And he does that through the cross, through covenant, through his great sacrifice made, his only son, for all the things we've ever done wrong, past, present and future. And he wants you to be reconciled to him. And then take your part in his kingdom plan as an ambassador to then multiply and make other, other disciples. And so, Lord, we thank you for this time. Speak to us. May we continue to wrestle with these things. May our conversations continue. And may you get the glory in all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.